On this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast, we've got exciting signings, ineligible players, a 10-year anniversary and listeners' questions on top of that too. Hello and welcome to another weekly dose of the Other Bundesliga podcast, the podcast for all your Austrian football news in English. It's me, Tom Midler and Simon Clark in the virtual studio today. Simon, how are you doing? Uh, have you been out and about this summer already watching the games? I say have you. I know the answer to that. And it's always yes when it comes to you and random summer friendly games. It has to be yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can say that I've already begun my 2023-24 season. So on Friday night, I went to a, a sport club Himberg to see FCM Treiskirchen versus uh, Floridsdorfer Atze. Floridsdorfer won five 0 It was actually two halves of sixty minutes. I don't know if that if, if that counts on footballogy as a as a ground hop, but I'm counting it. Yeah, it was a nice evening. There was a massive thunderstorm that we somehow avoided, which was very nice. I wondered if you'd been stuck in one of these stands you know the stadiums with no over no covered standing so I thought oh dear this could be bad but wait two halves of 60 minutes an even longer game than normal that definitely counts as a ground hop yeah I'm counting it I'm counting it but it was funny because there wasn't any half time break it literally went from being one 60 minutes to a second 60 minutes there was no break so it was quite we're quite confused because <laughs> obviously we didn't know what the format <laughs> of the game was we we're like this is weird like it's like the 60th minutes no been no half time break and then they just swapped ends yeah but it, it was cool it was a really uh, like a, a classic little austrian ground had some excellent food had, had some excellent pints yeah a great way to start the season and the you know the first of many i think last season i went to 55 matches about 45 of them in Austria. So yeah, let's hope for something similar for, 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 for this season. This reminds me of kind of, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne and stuff complaining, saying, oh, the season's been so long. I've played more than, I've played more than 50 matches this season. So you too, you've done 55 matches in the season. 55 matches, Come on. yeah. But fortunately, the, the players can have a summer break. For me, after the, the Austria-Sweden game was what, the 20th of June? And this was the 30th of June. So I had a 10-day summer break. There were matches before that as well, but I decided, no, come on. I need to have, give myself a little <laughs> break at least. <laughs> yeah, of course. Our our physical commitment to going to, to these games is definitely rivals that of the players who are running out there for, well, up to 120 minutes yeah, per game, as you, as you said. Surely surely they made some substitutions in that game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Floridsdorf played a, a completely separate team in the second half. F frankly, by that point, I was about five beers in. I didn't really care. I was just enjoying watching a football game. But I mean, Floridsdorf scored a couple like wonderful goals. Their second goal in particular was like from the outside of the area, like top corner. It was a proper like preseason friendly goal. And you could tell the player who scored it was very pleased with himself. But he couldn't celebrate because it's just a friendly. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, good that you got to enjoy that. I've been commentating on friendly games for Sturm. Well, I say games. I've only done one so far, but there will be more to come. So if you go to uh, skstrom.tv, you can watch all of their friendly games from wherever you are, I think. I don't think they're rights restricted. I think they're available uh, anywhere in the world. And for some of their friendly games this season, I'm doing the commentary, or this summer season anyway. So I started off with Sturm against Mura. 
and it was a decent game. Sturm looked really good. They won 3-0 against the Slovenian uh, top flight side Mura. They've played a few friendly games in recent years. They tend to play every summer and winter against each other now. And there's been a couple of transfers going back and forth between the clubs as well. Shaban Ashai's just gone from Sturm on a permanent deal now to Mura. And uh, Tommy Horvat came over in the other direction a year ago and has become a kind of mainstay at, uh, at Sturm already. So there's a, a good little collaboration and cooperation between the two clubs. But Sturm were very comfortable winners. And I thought for a pre-season friendly, I've watched lots of Bundesliga sides play pre-season friendlies, but they looked like they meant business somehow. It was still was a friendly. It had the friendly vibes, but you can tell this is a good football team and they've got some good talent in the side. And uh, the goals, especially from Alexander Prass, for me, were really, really nice. Prass's one was great. Just a, a rocket of a left foot shot as he sort of ran across the edge of the area from the D out to the left and just smashed it into the near post top corner with his left foot. That looked a very, very good goal. Um, and that was one as a commentator, which is always fun because the whole 11 changed at half time. So you've got to try and keep up with with all of that. Thankfully, they did provide me with some good information uh, beforehand. So massive credits to them for that, because I've definitely done other friendlies where you don't have an accurate team sheet. There's no information because it's a friendly. They change all the players and they make five more substitutions on the 60th minute or whatever. It's so, so hard to keep up to date with that. But that was Sturm. They look very good. And for this podcast, let's get into it, I suppose, with Sturm Graz as well. What, uh, What better place to start than Eska Sturm, because we've got a lot of questions today. We've got a lot of listener questions to get through on the pod. Thank you to everybody who did send in their questions. We'll try and kind of structure the pod around what people asked us. And one of the main things that people asked were, what about these international transfers that Sturm are making? What about the international transfer rumours? Because it's looking like quite a busy summer for Eska Sturm. After the season that just happened and how successful it was for Sturmgratz, of course, it could have been, if a couple of results had gone their way in the league, it could have been an unbelievable season. But um, to, to, win, to win the OFB Cup, it's definitely a squad that can can achieve a lot more, but particularly in Europe as well. So, um, yeah, it's been quite an interesting summer so far. It has. Uh, for me, there's some transfers that stand out that have already been made, of course. That's uh, incoming and uh, outgoing as well. But I'll start perhaps with the with the rumours, the ones that are not confirmed yet. And there's one that looks like it will be confirmed very soon. We've wondered with Jörg Siedenhandel, the goalkeeper, leaving. Um, Arto Okonkwo, the goalkeeper, last season, uh, for the second half of last season at least, was on loan, of course, from Arsenal. Sturm made no secret that they'd like to keep him, the Arsenal third goalkeeper. But he's gone back to the UK for now. It looks like there have been other offers from England for Okonkwo. Nothing settled yet at the time of recording. But it seems like Okonkwo will stay in England and Kiel Schiappen will be the goalkeeper coming over on loan from Brighton. 23-year-old Dutch keeper, former Ajax player, um, had a great start to his career at Ajax as well because people trawled through his social media and found that when he moved to Ajax, he'd previously written uh, negative stuff, shall we say, about Ajax (laughs) online. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if you might remember it, actually. I, I do vaguely remember it from the time. But the club did some promotional videos with uh, Van der Sar um, and Overmars, I think, at the time uh, in, in a classroom, making him write down Ajax is the best club in Holland hundreds of times. So he had to kind of do that. Let's hope he's not written anything about Gia Kar on his uh, on his social media in the past, because uh, otherwise he'll have to write Sturm Graz are the best club in Graz a hundred times, if indeed he does move this week. But it looks like the rumour mill very strongly suggests that Kjell Scherpen will be coming over. 
Sturm going for another lone goalkeeper. I suppose that makes sense, but he's two metres and six. Massive keeper as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems to to me to be a, a very smart signing. Obviously, Brighton are a team on the up and who have a fantastic uh, track record with finding these great players. Obviously, signing a goalkeeper from Ajax is, you know, they're probably going to be a good, a good goalie. But yeah, for, for, for Sturm Graz, I mean, he definitely seems like he'll fit the system. He played last season at Vitesse Arnhem, which of course is, an, is a team in, in the Eredivisie, so a former Holland under-21 goalie. Yeah, I mean, why not? 23 years old. Seems to me like a very sensible transfer. Yeah, they've got Bignetti, they've got Maric. I saw both of them in action in the friendly against uh, Moura. They've got Bignetti, Maric, they've got Lawrence as well. So they've got three kind of talented young goalkeepers, very young goalkeepers, even younger than Sherpen, in the squad at Sturm. So that perhaps might answer the question of why a big team like Sturm, who are really hoping to to push on and, and do very, very well this season, why they're content to go with lone goalie after lone goalie. I wonder if they're just thinking, look, we've got so much young talent. Let's let's see how these guys develop. Let's see if Bignetti's going to be good enough to be the number one in a couple of years. See if Maric could be the number one in a couple of years and maybe make do with, with a lone keeper for a full season this season. Perhaps they can do it again next season if they need to and bring their own players through at the same time. So. That's a loan deal, which I think, as you said, makes sense. Another one who's coming on loan is Javi Serrano. And he definitely raised some eyebrows. Any move from Atleti to, to the Austrian Bundesliga seems like quite kind of a big deal, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I believe in another question over which uh, summer signing are you most excited by? And I, and I would say Javi Serrano. I mean, this is a player coming from Atletico Madrid. Clearly, the people in charge at Sturmgratz have, have done their homework. And they believe he's a player who will perfectly fit their system. 20 years old. You know, they're giving him a wonderful opportunity to prove himself. Again, it's quite an exciting transfer, I have to say. I think with Serrano, what's interesting is that he picked out Sturm as saying, you know, this is a platform for young talent. This is where young players can come and flourish. And of course, we've seen that in the past with Salzburg. We, we all know, everyone in European football knows that Salzburg is a place for young talent to go and potentially flourish and, and take a, a big stepping stone in their career. But the fact that publicly somebody from Atleti is saying, mm-hmm. yeah, look, this is this is the club I want to go to to play good football, to move forward in my career. That's quite uh, that's quite something for the reputation of, of SK Sturm and by extension, then the Austrian Bundesliga. So that's really good. The thing I'll say about Cyrano is I think it's a tough position to be a young player in. Of course, everybody has to go through it if you're a defensive midfielder, but to be a young defensive midfielder, you have to really make your mark. You have to almost be effortless in sort of running the game, managing the game in that in that midfield section and, and almost sort of working your magic in terms of controlling the game. And I think that's really hard when you're a young player and you've got, you know, a leagues full of opponents who want to just sort of batter and bruise you. And Salzburg managed that really well in the past few years, finding central midfielders, defensive midfielders who were so good and went so under the radar in, with, with what they did. I wonder if Sturm can do it as well. And I wonder if Javi Serrano can do it as well. And I hope so. And it's definitely an exciting one. Another transfer for Sturm, which is at the moment, at the time of recording, still rumoured, is uh, Simon Vladarczyk, the Polish 20-year-old centre-forward from Gornik Zabrze. Fabrizio Romano is the one who broke this this week. As I said, not complete yet. Sturm have said we're not that far along in the transfer. But 
it nevertheless wouldn't surprise me if this was finished by the time we come to record next week. They've put in a bit of about two and a half million for Vladacic. That's kind of a lot. It would bring quite some pressure. It's got that whole next Hoyland question mark written all over it. Will they just bolster their forward line and, and have some goals in the Bundesliga? Clearly, they've seen him as a talent. Looking at his record, I mean, in, in the extra class in Poland, he hasn't scored too many goals. But obviously, he's only 20 years old. It shows the level of trust I have in the, in the people at, at Sturmgratz that when they make a transfer, normally it's going to be successful. So even though it's a player that I don't know too much about, I, I don't think you know too much about him either. And, and on paper, it's like, okay, the man's only scored, I think, eight or nine goals in the extra classer. I mean, if, if Sturmgratz want to pay that amount of money for him, then fair play. And the same could be said about Rasmus Hoyland, of course, who, when you looked at when he came to Sturmgratz, his stats weren't looking too amazing. And now he's one of the one of the hottest strikers in Europe. So, yeah, I think it's another very sensible potential signing from Sturmgratz. And I mean, every player that they're linked with, you think, wow, that's pretty sensible. And you have to think about all the other clubs in the Austrian Bundesliga as well, thinking... Why aren't these clubs doing the same thing? Like, what Sturmgratz, how have Sturmgratz organized this in such a way where they can find these like talented players from, you know, the, the Polish league is a very well watched league. He's hardly a player who's a hidden talent. He's a player who's at Legia Warsaw. Clearly, they think it's worth, worth a pun. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of trust in what Sturm are doing. And no, I haven't watched a lot of Extra Klasse. <laughs> Although the last time I did watch Extra Klasse, I did actually watch uh, Gornik Zabrze live. So <laughs> I think there was a bit before Vladarczyk's time there, though. So um, yeah, he was probably still in his uh, junior days at Ligia Warsaw then. But uh, anyway, yes, we'll let you know, of course, on Twitter, if these things do break, if Vladarczyk does make his way to Sturm officially, if Schiappen comes in as their new goalkeeper. But to move on to another question that we got... It sticks with Sturm in a way, because the question that we got was centred on making a case that Salzburg would not win everything next season. (laughs) I did answer on Twitter that that might be a bit of a stretch, but let's do our best. Is there anything at Sturm that tells you that maybe, or gives you a hint perhaps, that Salzburg won't win everything next season? How how much chance is there of that? I think there's quite a chance, really. So this past season, this wasn't the vintage Salzburg of past. I know they had, actually on paper, they broke quite a lot of records, but this was a team that didn't have like a recognized like superstar striker. They really were uh, a more attritional Salzburg team, more defensive-minded, I would say, rather than being the, the all-out attack 6-0, 7-0 team of the like three or four years ago. Looking at the players they've sold as well, they've sold uh, Junior Adamu. Adamu was probably the major striker of the season. I mean, on paper, again, on, I'm saying on paper a lot. <laughs> on paper, they have the, the strongest uh, side in the league, of course. They've got a lot of talent. A, they've got a lot of players in, in the second team as well who can come in and I'm sure they'll do a fantastic job. But I, I think Sturmgratz are definitely closing the gap. Of course, Salzburg might win the league again by 20 points and this looks completely stupid. But like every season, I hold out hope that uh, Sturmgratz have a chance, or of course any other team, that there might be a surprise package, um, although I can't really see another team competing, really. You know, Salzburg, the fact that, that they they finally lost the trophy last season is a huge thing. We got asked to, to make a case here, and I think my case would rest on the fact that Sturm were a very good team last season. They weren't too far behind last season, and I think there's room for improvement there. They're acting swiftly again in the transfer market. 
as we've just said in the last whole section, we trust what they do in the transfer market. So the odds of them perhaps making successful uh, moves is pretty good. If I look at players who they've brought in as well recently, William Burving, for example, showing glimpses of greatness, but yet to be very consistent at that level. Uh, Brian Teixeira, we know he can really do a job at Bundesliga level. He's yet to really show that with Eskastrum so far. Emega still there. Prass still there. We're early on in the summer right now, of course, but those players for now are still there. So as it stands, Sturm are looking like they're strengthening their squads. We trust in the transfer that, transfers that they're doing. And I think that some of the players who are in that squad, Jancho was injured for a lot of last year. I think they're quietly going about building quite a deep squad, actually. If I look at their positional like-for-like replacements, Ilse, obviously the manager, Christian Ilse, is doing a great job with what he's he's getting across to his players, this this philosophy they have. He's getting that across really well. And I feel like the stronger their bench gets, that brings them closer to Salzburg because traditionally, year on year on year, other teams have come up with good seasons. They've had good seasons. They've had a bit of consistency. Remember Lask a few years ago, they had that consistency built on like literally about 13 players. Oliver Glasner used sort of 13 players for 90 minutes, week in, week out, it felt like. And there was nothing beyond that or there wasn't much beyond that. And if Sturm can really strengthen the bench, then suddenly they'll actually have a potentially a squad to challenge for the title. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, last season, I think the season like really changed on, of course, the, the two Salzburg Sloan Gratz games in the championship round. Of course, there's ifs and buts, but they weren't that far off. They're already beginning from a much better vantage point than anyone else. So I think there's potential. The potential is there. We've given it our best shot to uh, to be hopeful on that front. Tom, I'm almost convinced they're going to win the league now. <laughs> <laughs> No offence to Salzburg fans. Uh, it's just a case of, could we could we justify why somebody else might win the league next year? Of course, uh, an interesting league title would be great for the Austrian Bundesliga. We've been hopeful. Those head-to-head duels between Sturm and Salzburg last season were excellent as well. So here's to more of that. Whichever way they go, here's to more of those big games where you believe that both teams can really go for it and you're not sure who's going to come out as the winner. We're looking forward to that. Um, we've talked a lot about SK Sturm in part one. So we'll take a quick break and we'll come back, answer the rest of your questions and talk a lot more about some of the other teams in the Austrian Bundesliga. Welcome back to part two of this week's episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. Um, we did get a question about our favourite Austrian beers, which is always a great question. And it's always a dynamic, ever-changing question. Perhaps it's as difficult as the you know tactical dilemma of, of winning the Austrian Bundesliga, deciding your favourite Austrian beer. So we'll come to that later once we've had a little bit more time to think about it. But for now, let's look at some of the other teams who got neglected in part one of this podcast. There's a lot of them. VRC. We don't always talk too much about VRC. Matthias Tafiana makes an interesting case for being talked about on this podcast. Potentially Austria's most exciting out-of-contract player right now. All the suggestions are that he will leave, but we don't know yet. We're none the wiser as to where he might actually go. And uh, there's nothing really kicking around too much in the rumour mill either. So do you have any thoughts on the play of Matthias Tafiana or, or where he might end up? Yeah, I think he's a wonderful player. He's been very integral in a very successful period for for Wolfsburg. He's been Austria and the 21 international. He's exciting for sure. 
but it does pose the question if you're in his position you know a 22 year old player which club in the Bundesliga would you be choosing to to progress your career and it's quite an interesting one because the question uh, posed by one of our listeners mentions both Rapid and Austria but I'm thinking to myself if I was in his position would you would you fancy going to Rapid or Austria well I think Rapid have sort of ruled themselves out of this race. It would have been a very Rapid move mm-hmm. to get Tafiana on a free at the end of last season. But they've ruled themselves out of the race. So it doesn't look like he's going to the green half of Vienna. Austria-Vienna, I'm wondering about it. They got their free transfer move for Genouche from Austria Lustenau done very, very early. Almost too early, you could argue. <laughs> and I'm sure Lustenau might argue that it was too early. But that was sort of signed, sealed and delivered right at the final whistle of the end of last season. So if they were going to get Tafena on a free, you do wonder sort of why haven't they prioritised that? I think personally, I would, if he was going to go to one of the two, I'd kind of rather see him go to Austria, Vienna. I don't really know why. I just feel like Rapid get a lot of players on free transfers and they haven't really done a great deal with them yet. They fitted some of them in, they're, they're doing okay, but nobody's been... You know, sometimes it shows that spending a bit of money, scouting properly, spending a bit of money, identifying a target and actually going out to buy that target decisively works better than just doing the kind of thing like I would do on Pro Evo at the end of a Master League season and go, oh, there's a good player available for cheap. I'll just get him and see what happens. So, yeah, Tafena, as you said, he was so young as well when he was doing all these good things at VRC. He's already been away. He's already been abroad, tried it out with moves. I think he went to Dynamo Dresden, didn't he? And then he was back uh, in Austria after a pretty short spell away. The only rumour that I've seen about him going abroad would be to Venezia. I can definitely imagine that happening. Obviously, Venice, uh, don't forget, Venice isn't very far away from Austria. And he's from Corinthia as well. So Venice isn't far away at all from Corinthia. It's only a couple of hours at, at most. So... It's an easy move. It's a it's a local move to to a different country, you know, a different football system. I can imagine that happening. But yeah, a player of Tafena's quality, you feel like still you need him to be sort of nurtured in a way. He's still young. He's still growing as a as a very good midfielder. He's got a lot of traits that make him very easy on the eye when he's on the ball. He can be a big player. And I think he could still be a big player at VRC. So I'd, I'd be interested to see if they could even hold on to him. But the truth is, I don't know where he's going, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. But I guess right now, I would I'd be leaning between Venezia and Austria Vienna, and I'd probably lean slightly towards Venezia. Yeah, I mean, if you're a, a 21, 22 year old player, to play in Venice would be pretty wonderful. No, that'd be quite a nice way to, to live your life, and not too far from home as well. Of course, it's only what a one hour, one and a half hour, two hour drive from Corinthia to Venice. And a lot of Austrian players have already sort of trodden that path. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think even David Schneg went there a couple of years ago and now look at him at Sturm doing really, really well. So, you know, players have done it. Maxi Ullmann went to Venice as well, didn't he? And they've still got some Austrians in their squad at the moment, but they're not doing quite as well as they were back then. They were sort of on the up and, every, you know, they were, they were the cool club to talk about. They had cool kits and everyone was talking about, you know, Venice's rise to Serie A, but it's a little bit different now. Still, could see him going there. Um, we mentioned Rapid. We got a question about Denzel Cassius, his loan spell at Rapid, because he's just signed for Adsed this week in the Netherlands. So Cassius will not be staying at Rapid. He didn't play as often as before, I don't think. Uh, he only played 10 times in the Bundesliga during Rapid. I think probably it was a failed loan. I don't know what you think, Tom. 
I thought he was uh, a really promising fullback. I thought at the time, you know, when they had Auer, that probably didn't help, but they had Auer on one uh, fullback position and Cassius on the other. And both of them were getting great crosses into the box. And that was sort of the best thing that Rapide were doing for me uh, in the latter stages of last season. Remember, it wasn't a good season for Rapide particularly. They didn't look great and there weren't too many shining lights. But it just, it makes me wonder, you know, when Ferdi Droif came in, they put down a bit of money to buy Droif. And that hasn't really worked out. They certainly don't have a reliable centre forward in Droif. And I wonder if they were worried about doing the same, you know, have a loan spell with a player who's, let's say, inconclusive, you know, had some some good moments, but he wasn't a definite purchase at the end of that loan. But they weren't willing to put down a bit of money to to get him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it seems pretty weird. I mean, so when he first joined, he was playing like all the time, every minute. And then towards the end of um, his time at Rapid, after his, his, so he got a red card, in the Vienna derby, of course, and that amazing free-free game. And after that, he wasn't really a part of the squad. Maybe that really affected his time there, just getting the red card in the, in, in the Vienna derby. It was probably a sign, though, as you say, not playing all that much after that. Probably a sign that they weren't really going to extend. You know, they weren't going to buy him, not going to put down a few million to, to do it. But I'll definitely look out for him, I'd said. I can imagine him doing good things. So I wonder about this hesitancy from, from Rapide in the transfer market. I can't criticise them for not putting a bit of money down and then they did do that with Droif and it didn't really work out. So I'm, I'm not sure they know what to do because they don't have that hit rate that, that Sturm have. And I'll be interested to see if they can do it. But I found it very interesting for Rapid recently at the beginning of the off season, they were sort of saying, given our financial situation, given the way the club looks behind the scenes, top three is unrealistic. And that's quite something to hear from Esca Rapid. If I recall the time, I think that it was taken out of context slightly. It was like um, Marcus Katzer, the sporting director of Rapid, he said that the, that the first goal of the season is to be in the top six, which I guess, you know, makes sense. But if you're a Rapid fan, you, you want to hear, we're going for trophies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is an incredi- incredibly successful team. So I think maybe, maybe it was taken slightly out of context and maybe being realistic in what you're saying is not what fans want to hear sometimes, that they want to imagine lifting trophies rather than thinking about, oh, we're going to try and get in the top three, but we're probably not going to be able to. And I mean, in <laughs> fairness, they probably won't get in the top three. I mean, I think last season's top three will be next season's top three. But um, yeah, if you're Rapid, it just kind of shows how far they've fallen. It's a shame. I mean, you, you really want Rapid to be up there in the title race. And I mean, who knows? They could have a magical season and be there, but it's unlikely at this point. I think you're right, though, to say that sometimes realism is not what fans want to hear. And maybe that, that affects the bigger clubs even more than it does with other clubs. But let's look at some of the teams inside that top three, and namely the club who came third last season, Lask. We got a question about their transfer policy, especially Lask and Austria-Vienna, actually, about being so busy in the transfer window. Uh, what do we think about their, their policy of signing a lot of players in summer? It doesn't always work out, does it? <laughs> when, you, when you bring in a lot of players. No, it doesn't. Um, but I mean, a couple of those players seem quite sensible, like Jörg Siebenhandel probably come in as either a first or second choice goalie. Ivan Lubic from Stonegrats as well. Defensive mid, free transfer, easy peasy. It's the other ones that I'm quite intrigued by, like Moussa Kone coming from France. He didn't really score too many goals in the French second division last season, and now he's coming in as a centre forward. Again, a free transfer, you know, they've got an, another signing from France as well, free transfer. It's a lot of players being signed, but then again, quite a few players have left the club as well. So Alexander Schlager, of course, left, uh, Marvin Potsman, Thomas Sabitzer, Umasako 
they're just kind of replacing the players who have left. It depends in many ways what last go on to do, because if they remain busy, then you've got to say, okay, that is a, a huge change this summer. And what I'll say for both Austria Vienna and Lask is that both have got new managers. This is the first real transfer window for Michael Wimmer at Austria Vienna. It's Thomas Sageder, of course, it's his first transfer window in charge of Lask, having only just taken over. You've got to consider managers want to make their mark. They want to fill the gaps with players that they've identified. Maybe the club had some targets lined up already from uh, previously. So there is a reason behind it in a way, but it is risky. And I think especially for Lask, because for Austria, Vienna, you know, they've moved and brought in Genush, as I said early on, and who knows whether Tabakovic will stay, but they've got moves to make still to come. Uh, maybe they'll bring in Taferna as well, but you feel like they were building something. The managers had time to identify what he wants to do and, and where he wants to go between now and next season. And obviously financial realities have to come into that. But with Lask, they had quite a settled squad last season. And we saw in the past, as I mentioned, you know, under Oliver Glasner, they were famous for playing with a very small number of players. So if you just bring in a whole bunch of new talent that doesn't really gel, yeah, it could be a difficult start to life for, for Thomas Sagida. Um, looking to the promoted team, Blauweiss-Linz, one of the questions that we got actually follows on to this from me. It was most exciting incoming player so far. For me, it's Matthias Seidel coming from Blauweiss-Linz to Rapid Vienna. Seidel's come in. I know you picked your, your favourite one, your most exciting one earlier as Javi Serrano. I'll go for Matthias Seidel just because he had a senior career in the third division. He's now been voted the sec- the best player in the second division. He won player of the season in Liga Spa for last season, which was a slightly controversial call for many people. But nonetheless, uh, Matthias Seidel is the player who won it. And now he's in the Bundesliga. It would have been with Blauweiss Linz anyway, but he's in the Bundesliga with Rapid. And as I mentioned, Rapid have a habit of signing good players from sort of smaller teams. And you never know whether it's going to work out for them. And I wonder if Seidel can be the first one who comes in and really just kick some ass in the Bundesliga and I'd love to see it because it's great to have a player moving from third to second to first and if he can really do well at Rapid that will be pretty major for him so he goes down as my most exciting incoming player so far I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does and another question was how can Blauweiss Linz replace him and I might say with his own younger brother Simon Seidel who (laughs) plays already for Blauweiss Linz uh, because he's also an uh, attacking midfield player and they may be uh, are hoping there, Blavis Lintz, that they can find another Matthias Seidel in the form of Simon Seidel. No, I mean, uh, that's quite interesting and nice there, Tom. Um, yeah, I think Matthias Seidel, from everything we've heard and read from uh, the experts on Twitter, he was phenomenal for Blavis Lintz in their promotion season last season. So, um, yeah, I'd be very excited to see how he does at Rapid Vienna. And of course, I mean, the last player Rapid signed who went from third to second to first was Urchin Kara, and he was absolutely quality. And then, and now he's scoring goals for fun in the MLS. So um, yeah, maybe Matthias Idol will have a, another like, career arc like that and be earning millions of dollars in Orlando in three or four years' time. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to Blavice Lintz, I worry that they're looking a bit light up top at the moment, though, with Seidel leaving. Mayulu's already gone as well from Blavice Lintz to Rapid. They've absolutely raided the uh, blue and white half of Lintz in this off-season. Blauweiss have brought in Stefan Feiertag, who's young and he's got a lot of Liga Svar goals. Um, they've got Ronnie Valdo up top. So I'm also looking forward to seeing how Ronnie Valdo can do in the Bundesliga. I think a lot of people are, are excited to see how Ronnie Valdo can do. Oh, I cannot wait. Ronnie Valdo has been 
a legend in league as far for so long and just to see him finally get his chance at the top flight let's see how he does if he's quality <laughs> it'll be amazing <laughs> absolutely absolutely i do worry that blavis lintz might need a bit more firepower though they've got time to do it transfer that happened just after the last pod that we didn't get time to talk about uh, balotelli has moved from dawn being to altac Yes, I was about to mention this, Tom, yes. <laughs> I think my second most exciting transfer of the season is Balotelli in the Bundesliga. But of course, he's not called Balotelli anymore. You have to remember that. Yeah, Gustavo Santos. He's just yeah. Gustavo Santos. No, no more Balotelli. Yes. So we can't, yes, you can't do the alliteration of Balotelli in the Bundesliga. Still, we're looking forward to seeing Gustavo Santos. I really think the sweeper pod ruined that for him. <laughs> Getting that international attention on, on the sweeper has uh, ruined the, the Balotelli nickname. But I mean, let's see how Gustavo Santos the dust for back. Mentioning the sweeper, actually, before we wrap up for this episode, I had a very sweeper-esque story from St. Pilton. Did you hear uh, this this odd St. Pilton story about ineligible players? No. Or was it just me? No, that's you. Tell us. Okay, so you'll see what I mean. This is very sweeper appropriate because sweeper deals with, uh, this is our sister podcast, of course, which deals with odd football stories from all across Europe. So definitely do listen out for the sweeper if you don't know it already. But St. Pilton had one where in one of their junior games, so they'd approached the Football Federation about a ruling which stipulates how many players must come from the, the local football verband or the, the local federation, as it were. So the, the junior players have to be associated with that federation, except for two players. You're allowed two players who are not sort of signed up by the local federation, basically. And they said, OK, what happens if we break that rule? Because there's no precedent for it. So what's the what's the punishment? There's no sort of specified punishment and the football federation said well we can't legally tell you what will happen until there is a case to be kind of gone through then we'll work out with the the sporting courts what the punishment will be and then we'll know so they said all right so in a junior game with nothing riding on it they waited until there was nothing riding on it at the end of the season last last season they put in an ineligible player so they did three players who were not from the local football federation and then almost as an affront at having their rules broken, the Football Association in uh, Lower Austria then essentially just made up a whole load of new punishments to punish them for what they did. And so now four, I think four people have been suspended at St. Pilton for four months, including the sporting director. So they've invented these punishments after saying, yeah, we need a case to, to sort of... Yeah, for four Remarkable. months. So they said at first, look, we need a case to try. So then we'll work out what the punishment will be. And then they've just kind of acted very annoyed that the rules had been broken in a deliberate fashion and and come in with these punishments which of course St Pilton see as being very heavy-handed and the punishments specifically involved people who weren't involved in the kind of decision or the or the juniors games so it might actually even have an effect on their first team uh, in terms of the staff come the beginning of next season unless these punishments are overturned which I can definitely imagine them being overturned but still how strange it's like asking a teacher what the punishment's going to be and then <laughs> and then breaking the rule to find out and then finding out that the punishment was worse than you expected. That's remarkable, yeah, for sure. Wow, it seems quite harsh. Four months of playing an eligible player for four people as well. That's remarkable. I think so, yeah. So I'm not sure in the exact details, but I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. But uh, St. Pilton's first team anyway are definitely looking for Bundesliga promotion next season. So yeah, let's see how they go. Oh, thanks for that story, Tom. I mean, um, just remaining on St. Paulton, of course, their women's team are the, the, the all-conquering women's team. And their Champions League draw was, I believe, last Thursday or Friday. 
and they are in a small tournament, which is how the qualifying works, where they're already in the final and they'll play the winner of Hauk from Greece and Racing Racing Union from Luxembourg. So St. Paul's will need to play either Pauk or Racing Union Luxembourg to qualify. Whereas with Sturm Graz, Sturm Graz have a slightly harder running. They play FC Twente on September 6th, and then they will play the winner of Levante or Stjernen from Iceland. I'm definitely saying that wrong. Stjernen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, potentially two Austrian clubs in the UEFA Women's Champions League group stage. I think for Sturm, it's even worse. I think if they win that, they go through into another group of four like that, where they have to win the semi-final and the final. So it's really tough. If you remember last year, they got into, they, they played Real Madrid Sturm last season. So it's very hard for them to get in. But um, you're right. Good to mention St. Pilton's all-conquering women's team, who actually, they lost a league game last season, Simon. They lost a league game for the first time since we've been doing the other Bundesliga podcast. Ridiculous. It's remarkable, isn't it? It's pretty cool that, St. Paulton's women's team are so, so good. They are the Salzburger with women's football here. And it's quite interesting that, you know, obviously on, on the other side, they have all these like sporting, like uh, sporting issues with suspensions or whatever. But that's St. Paulton are a very interesting club for sure. Yeah, definitely. We'll wrap it up for this week's episode of the pod. We did get a great question about kits. We're going to look at that once some more of the kits have been released, because at the moment we've got some new ones that are already out and about, but but not all of them. So we'll do the Hartberg scale. We'll bring that back. If you don't know what that is, that's Hartberg's absolutely sponsor-filled shirt is ranked as a 10 out of 10 on what we term the Hartberg scale. And a kit without a sponsor would be, would be much lower down on that scale. So we will bring that back in all its glory in the near future, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we did mention, we did promise favorite Austrian beers for the end of this pod so before we wrap up Simon can you can you throw one out there as I rack my brains my favorite if I'm going to be on a session would would be Puntagama <laughs> and this is not because they sponsor a football club here I just think it's a very tasty <laughs> beer but the thing is this is really con- a really contentious issue here because what your favorite beer is is almost your personality <laughs> no, no, it is though, it is. And, you know, Austria has so many wonderful beers. We might have to do a whole episode on our favourite beers and rank, rank a top five, the other Bundesliga top five beers. <laughs> it's it's so maybe, difficult, maybe. isn't it? <laughs> like, the burger is always good. I like Otterkringer. Otterkringer we had um, the other day was very delicious. Stiegel is definitely a good one. Stiegel and Wieselberger have been my favourites for a while. But as I said, it's a dynamic and ever-changing thing. And I think right now, I'm on the Murauer, Murauer as, as being one of my favourites. That's a forgotten favourite. And I'll get slaughtered for this, but the Stiegel Radler, the grapefruit Radler in the summer when it's hot. I love that. I'm going to get I'm gonna get murdered for that. But... You're probably going to get murdered for that. But it's really good. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, please write us and, and tell us your favourite beer because it's a hot topic at the Bundesliga HQ. Always has been, always will be. So uh, let us know your favourites and then maybe we can do sometime in the future when there's no football going on, which, you know, but potentially at Christmas, it could be a Christmas special. <laughs> we, we, rank up. We, need, we need some polls. Yeah, polls, yeah. We need some Twitter polls. Yeah. If they still exist by Christmas, we need some Twitter <laughs> polls. And, uh, and yeah, then we can sort out once and for all, just like we did with kits and stadiums. We, did, yeah. we can sort out some of the 
the most beloved Austrian beers. Um, we'll wrap it up for this week. Um, if you're trying to find us on Instagram, by the way, Instagram have randomly decided to kick us off and delete our account. And we don't know why. And we're not allowed to find out why because they won't tell us. So uh, we're a bit bemused by that situation, which we are trying to sort somehow. But they've told us that we've been permanently deleted with no right to appeal, which if that had happened on Twitter, that would have been a total disaster. So, um, yeah, if you can't find us on Instagram for some reason, that is why... But luckily, the pod is still back. The Twitter is still active and live at Other Bundesliga. And we will be back again next week. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. Goodbye.